Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Thanks, Rochelle. Those of you who want to follow in your own Bibles, you're welcome to open with me in Romans chapter 8. Two weeks ago, I shared out of Romans chapter 8 um, just about the Holy Spirit, um, but I had to do sort of a helicopter flight, um, you know, just dipping in here and there, and um, I really wanted to also share a bit deeper just around a couple of verses, because there's, there's just so much there. It's just so, so rich and so powerful. Um, so I'm going to be, um, in a moment, reading uh, from Romans 8, verse 13 to 17, just that, that, uh, those few verses. Um, but I just want to start off with a question. How do, you, how do you feel about God and about your relationship with God? If you just sort of had to quiet your, your mind and your heart and, and, and ask yourself honestly the question, how, how do I feel about God and about my relationship with Him? You know, if you, if you had to give yourself a, a really frank and, and honest answer, what would it be? Because, I mean, we can have all kinds of different ways in which we feel towards God. I remember once I, w- I went to a um, hospital to pray for a guy, and, and um, he, was, he came from a rough background, uh, gangs and criminal background, uh, and he says, you know, I was running away from God like a criminal running from the law. And obviously, he felt threatened by God. <laughs> he felt chased and pursued by God. You know, that's one way you can feel about God. Um, but even if, and, and I mean, that was before he, he became a Christian. But even if you are a Christian, um, you can feel far from God. You can feel um, afraid of God in a way that, that causes you to be hesitant to approach Him. You can... You can feel sort of uncertain about your relationship with God, can't you? So, so it's, it's, it's one thing being in relationship with God, but it's another thing how you experience that relationship with God. Um, and, and the Bible teaches us that if we are in, in Christ, we, we are God's children, but we don't always feel like children, even when we are children of God. Isn't that so? Or is, is it only me who sometimes <laughs> doesn't feel, um, you know, the, 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 don't experience it? And, and then the next question is, how, how, do you, how do you think God feels about you? If you had to give a, a, a really frank uh, answer to that question, how, how, do you feel, how do you think God feels about you? Often we think God feels about us in ways that are not in line with how He really feels about us. We, we've been sometimes so conditioned to, to think that um, you know, God feels in a certain way about us or, or that sometimes we're just so displeased with ourselves that we cannot, we cannot think that that God could be pleased with us, or we, we, we sometimes there's this there's, uh, there's resentment in our own hearts towards ourselves, and we um, dislike ourselves even sometimes, and then we f- we sort of project those feelings onto other people, and, and speci- specifically onto God, and we think, and we just cannot think that God would love us or like us in any way. 
So this, this passage in, in Romans 8 deals quite a bit with not, I mean, the word sonship gets mentioned a few times, but, but the real issue that it deals with is not our sonship or our adoption into God's family, our status as God's children, but how we experience that status as God's children. So I just want to read it to you. To you. It's, it's, I'm just going to read from verse 13. It says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds or the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And um, just a few things I want to draw out from, from, from this text that I think are, are really powerful and profound. Firstly, just notice the fact that it says, in verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And that, that implies that not everyone is a son of God. I know that's quite obvious, but I just want to <laughs> draw out the obvious here. Um, because, you know, in, in, in sort of the late half of the previous century, it was very popular to talk about the universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of man as though... Every human being is part of the family of God. Um, and, and there is a sense, the Bible says there is a sense in which we are all, all humanity is God's offspring. If you go and look, I think it's in Acts 17 verse 28. Paul in his sermon um, in Athens, he says, we are all his offspring. But what he means there is we are all his offspring in the sense that we are all created by God and created in God's image. So in, in that sense, yes, we are all his offspring. But in, in, in the sense that we are all created by him, but not everyone has been recreated because we've fallen into sin, fallen from the image of God, and God recreates us. We get born again into his family, we get adopted into his family. And not everyone is God's son in that sense. So, so the reality is, um, and, and Paul mentions a few things in this text, and I spoke about that uh, last time, so I'm not going to repeat it again, about how you can know you're a, you're a child of, of God. But the, the fact is, we must ask ourselves that question, am I a child of God? Um, so, you know, if, if you're visiting here and, and you're uncertain about it, you know, take that question seriously. Don't just assume that everyone is a child of God. And in, in, in a place like South Africa, where Christianity is um, the majority religion, where up to almost 80% of people claim to be Christians. It's very easy to grow up in a Christian family and to just assume that you're a Christian um, because that's the culture in which you were raised. But the problem is that that leads to the fact that there are so many nominal Christians who are Christian in name but not Christian in experience. So, so the, 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 um, the first thing that we must notice is that there are actually... There's not just one family in humanity. There's more than one family. In, in, in John 8, Jesus says to the, to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and the guys who want to kill him, you are of your father, the devil. There are two fathers and there are two families. 
and you don't automatically belong to God's family. Okay? Um, I've seen a few sort of programs on TV, and, and I'm sure some of you have seen them as well. These sort of crazy programs where they do paternity tests. Um, you know, really, uh, it, usually it's like, you know, um, um, American s- uh, stories and then there's, you know, some, you know, in inverted commas, trailer trash ladies that come on there and they're very angry and, 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 and then the, the, the wife or the girlfriend tells a story about, you know, how, uh, you know, a, a boyfriend or a husband has been cheating on her and then the lady that's you know they're being cheating with they brought on stage and then there's a little bit of a cat fight and 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 you know all kinds of stuff you know and, and the lady that that comes on that the girlfriend now the scallopy says no but i'm 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 pregnant you know with his with his child and and you know there's like this whole build up and then eventually the the, the man comes up and then both women attack him you know and then and then in the background they say but they've done a paternity test you know, so we can actually check, you know, because cause the, the guys now are like, no, no, my girlfriend's lying, you know, she's not pregnant, you know, I, I, I don't even know this woman, I haven't had a relationship with her, and then the big reveal comes, the science, because in years past, you know, before DNA, it was very difficult, you know, for a woman to prove, you know, if a guy, but now with DNA testing, you can prove it almost conclusively, you know, and then the big reveal comes and says, Yes, the child is yours. And then they attack him again, you know. And you're like, yeah, you do. you've been unfaithful to me. And you are, you must pay alimony. You know, and in a sense, what Paul is doing here is he's saying, this is a kind of spiritual paternity test. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. In, in other words, what he's saying is, and, and, and in the previous verse, and that's why I included verse 13, he says, um, if we... Um, Live according to the flesh, we will die. But if by the Spirit we put to death the misdeeds of the body, and we, we will live. And, and Paul, before that, was talking about there are two ways of living, walking in the, in the flesh and walking in the Spirit. And what he says here is that walking in the Spirit, if you walk in the Spirit, then, then, then your flesh, your, your sinful nature will no longer control you. you. You might still fall for it. But the Spirit will lead you out of that, and the Spirit will lead you to put those things, the, the ways of the flesh, the sinful ways of the flesh, to, to actually put it to death, to repent of it. So you'll, you'll constantly be turning. The direction of your life will have changed from pleasing yourself by following the flesh and gratifying the flesh um, and, and, and the lust of the flesh, turning away from that and, and, and walking in the way of God. Constantly turning away from, from uh, the way of the world and the way of the flesh and turning towards God. And the Spirit will perfectly lead you, but you won't perfectly follow. <laughs> okay? Who knows that Christians can still sin? Right? You can no longer sin in peace, of course, but you can sin. I mean, that's the difference between a, a Christian and a non-Christian. A, a non-Christian can sin in peace, you know. But a, a Christian, if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, he's going to lead you away from that sin that you're committing or that you're wanting to commit and, and cause you to repent and turn away from it. And, and you know, he's going to convict you. You know, you're going to lose your peace and you're going to like, oh, you know, I'm doing this and I'm sort of enjoying it, but I know I'm not supposed to be doing this and I know it's not pleasing to God, like Leanne was saying. And I don't... I, I want to repent, not... Not because I 
broken God's law, but because I've broken God's heart. And I now love Him. I don't want to break His heart. And, you, and, you, and it will be a life of constantly turning away from, from the things of the world, the things of sin, and turning towards God and, and walking the way of God. In other words, what he's saying is that there'll be a developing family resemblance. More and more you'll be looking like Jesus. More and more you'll be looking like the Father. More and more you'll be looking like the Spirit. You'll more and more resemble the new family that you've been adopted into. And, and in a sense, that is the, the spiritual paternity test. Uh, John Murray, a theologian, said, The activity of the believer is the evidence of the Spirit's activity. And the activity of the Spirit is the cause of the believer's activity. I'll just read that again. The activity of the believer is the evidence of the Spirit's activity. And the activity of the Spirit is the cause of the believer's activity. So, um, if we belong to Christ, then part of it is saying, Lord, you are leading me. I want to follow. As a son, as a daughter, as a child of God, I want to follow you. And, and children do this very naturally. Children imitate. You know, it's monkey see, monkey do. You know, so if we're children of God, then we want to imitate him, follow him. Uh, and, and, and we should do that. We should actively do that. We should give in to the Spirit, surrender to the Spirit, and, and follow. Um, and then also just notice another thing that, that you can notice from from that verse, verse 14 specifically, is he says, all those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. In other words, it's, it's, notice it's, it's plural there, all. You're part of a community that is led by the Spirit because there are others who are also adopted into God's family, the church, and who are also being led by the Spirit. In other words, this following the Spirit is not an individual thing only. It's a corporate thing also. Where together we can encourage one another and strengthen one another and, 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 and learn from one another and hold one another accountable so that we can follow the Spirit's leading more closely. And that's what small group is about. That's what these words of encouragement that we received this morning are, are all about. Encouraging one another to let's follow the Holy Spirit together more closely and, um, and, and more faithfully. Um, the, the old King James used to say, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, are the sons of God. So it's not, it's not what denomination you belong to, but who is leading you? Is the Spirit leading you? Just like Jesus' disciples, the twelve apostles, for instance, followed Him while He was on earth. And that's what being a disciple of Jesus means, following Jesus. But how can you follow Jesus when Jesus is physically absent? And at the right hand of the Father. Well, that's why he sent his Holy Spirit. That's why he said in, in John 16 verse 7, it's to your advantage that I go away. I'll send you another paraclete, another one who is like me. But he will not be limited to a human body, to being in one place in one time. He can be everywhere. So I can have followers all across the world. Because the Holy Spirit is the spiritual presence of Jesus in his physical absence. And by following the Spirit you are of Jesus, you are following Jesus. Um, and then it, it goes on. And it, um, here's, here's the thing. What, what, does following, 
What does following the Spirit mean? What, is, what does it mean that we are led by the Spirit? It, it means that if you, the Spirit of God lives in you, then He is going to lead you in a certain direction, in the direction of God's nature. Um, in other words, there is going to be a bit of a battle going on inside of you. Because your flesh, which is not yet perfect, will be trying to lead you in one direction, and the Spirit of God will be leading you in a different direction, so that you won't always, as a Christian, you won't always do what you want to do. In other words, if you're a Christian, you've got to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. You've got to become comfortable. That's part of what it means to take up your cross and follow Jesus. Saying no to yourself and to your carnal human desires and saying yes to the Spirit. Because your flesh will want to lead you in a different direction. The Spirit wants to lead you. And, 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 and it's learning that discipline of saying no to the flesh and yes to the Spirit in every area of life, not just some areas of life. So my question to you is, how are you doing with that? Because the Spirit will lead you, what, what the flesh will lead you into is death. That's what that text says. But what the Spirit will lead you into is truly life is much better than what you can lead yourself into. Are you really saying yes to the Holy Spirit? Or are you not saying yes as much as you'd like to? I just want you to close your eyes right now and just quickly pray and just say, Lord, thank you that you are leading me. But I pray, Lord, that you'll help me to follow better. I know that what you have for me is better than what I have for myself. It's better than what my flesh has for me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that if we are in Christ, that you are leading us, that you are living inside of us, and that you are not only leading us, but that you are enabling and empowering us to follow you and teaching us how to follow you better. Thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege of being led by you and that we are not left to our own devices. Please help us to continually grow in our ability to follow your lead. In Jesus' name. So the first benefit, one of the first and probably greatest benefit of being a part of God's family, of being a child of God, a son of God, is being led by the Spirit. Um, the, the second th thing in verse 15, he talks about, um, you did not receive, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit test bears witness or testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And it's interesting, the, the, the New King James or some of the other translations will say, you did not receive the spirit of bondage or slavery again to fear. Here it says to fall back into fear. In, in other words, what, what Paul is saying there is that ultimately you will follow a spirit. Either you'll follow what he calls in Galatians the spirit of the world, or the, what he calls here the spirit of slavery to fear, or you'll follow the spirit of God, the spirit of adoption into sonship, which doesn't lead to fear, but which leads to freedom. So the reality is you will be spiritually led in some way, whether you're aware of it or not. Okay? And, and 
when we are led spiritually by the, the spirit of this world, by the spirit of bondage, by the spirit of slavery, he inevitably leads us into fear of some form or another. Um, and, you know, if, if you think about it, if, if you rely upon yourself, your own ability to save yourself and to make your life work out correctly, or you rely on anything other than God, then you should be afraid. <laughs> because at some stage, what you rely on will fail you. It's only when you rely on God and His Spirit, Almighty God, God who is all-wise and almighty, who knows what's best for you and who wants what's best for you, that you can be led out of fear and into the freedom of the sons of God. Think a bit about it. Um, some of the most fearless people on the face of the earth are little people, little children who have great confidence in their fathers. Isn't that so? I remember um, we used to play a game with, with Justin when we were small where, you know, he'd, he'd like climbing up on stuff. So he'd climb up on stuff and then we'll, we'll say, okay, jump, you know, and we'll catch you. And he'll have one, two, three, and then like he'll jump. And then, you know, at, at one stage he, he, he started sort of doing this himself without us even knowing he's playing the game. So he'll get up somewhere and then we'll just hear one, two, <laughs> and then we look at him, where's Justin? Oh, catch but just that fearless confidence in his parents that they'll be there for me. They'll catch me. <laughs> um, and the reality is if little children can be that fearless because they're that confident in their earthly fathers, how much more can we be confident and fearless if we believe in an almighty heavenly father who doesn't have to look around to find out where you are when you say one, two, three, <laughs> he's all-knowing. He already knows where you are, and he's there to catch you. But so often, we have the Spirit of God, and we are sons, children of God, but we still operate under our old nature of fear, because we haven't transferred all of our trust fully. We're still in the process of transferring more of our trust into God. So I want to ask you, what are the things that you are afraid of? Are you living in constant fear and anxiety? <laughs> Siri is giving us the right answer there. <laughs> or are you living the kind of fearless life of a child of God who has full confidence in his or her heavenly father? Because the reality is, if you're a child of God, you can live that fearless life. More and more, progressively, you can step, the Spirit will lead you out of fear and into freedom, into faith in God. What are the things that you are afraid of? And, you know, maybe you're afraid, you know, you're going to lose your job. Maybe you're afraid of your health or the health of your family members. You know, in this time of pandemic. Maybe you're afraid, you know, you won't get the right spouse. Or maybe you're afraid of, I mean, there are millions of things that we can be afraid of. But underlying all of those fears are the fact that we are not fully trusting our Father. 
And the reality is we can fully trust him. He's the only one we can fully trust. You can't fully trust me, not because I'm malicious towards you or I'm out to get you. I'm not. I love you. But (laughs) I cannot do everything. I'm not almighty. I will fail. I'm human. But God will never fail. God is almighty and he's all wise. He knows what's best for us and he wants what's best for us and he's able to give us what's best for us. We can fully trust him. And the more we trust him, fear and faith are are opposites. The more faith comes in, the more fear goes out. I just want you to close your eyes just for a moment and just think of the areas in your life where you're struggling with fear and anxiety. And then just admit to God, God, I'm, I'm not fully trusting you in that area yet, but I want to trust you more. Holy Spirit, lead me into deeper faith and drive out. Let your perfect love drive out my fear. Just in your own words. Amen. So we either receive the spirit of bondage or slavery to fear or the spirit of adoption into freedom. Now, that adoption is adoption into sonship. In other words, it's, it's like I explained last time, it's, it's, it's someone who is not a natural family member of a father being adopted as a son of that father and receiving all the benefits of sonship that come with that position. All the benefits that would not naturally be theirs is then given to them. Um, and that's what God gives to us. And, and the reality is, all of us have, as Christians, there's not one of us who is at this moment experiencing the full benefits that are legally ours as children of God. Think about that for a moment. I mean, you're already experiencing great benefits in the kingdom. You know, the peace of God, you pray and God answers your prayers. Um, the fact that you, you know, no longer terrified of death because you know death is not the end. It's not even the beginning of the end. It's just the end of the beginning. And there's going to be a whole new reality that you enter into and life that you enter into with God and freedom that you enter into with God when you, when you die. The, the, the fact that you're part of a, a family a spiritual family who loves you and, and who wants to look out for you and who wants you, what's best for you and wants you to grow. I mean, so many benefits that you're already experiencing. But even that is, is not the full benefits of what God has for you. God has more for you than what you're experiencing now. Even if you just look at the love of God, God loves you more than you're experiencing His love now. Think about it for... For a moment, um, I mean, he talks about the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And like I explained last time, Abba is an Aramaic word that would have been Jesus' home language. Uh, That's why even in the Greek translation, when he prays in Gethsemane and he says, Abba, Father, they give the the Aramaic um, and in the Greek translation uh, for Father. But... um, what it means is that the disciples, and, and, and even in the Roman, the, the Gentile Roman church where they spoke Greek, and even in the Galatian churches where they spoke Greek, you, you, Paul writes the same thing, that the Spirit causes us to cry out, Abba, Father. In other words, to call upon the Father, Father God, in the same way and with exactly the same words that Jesus called upon Him. 
I, I want you to get this because this, this is really powerful and profound. You, if you're a child of God, you can have the same relationship with the Father Jesus had with the Father while he was on earth. The word Abba, um, you'll notice, you, you, you know, you don't need teeth to say it. You know, it's not like there's a T. You know, if you say a teeth, you need teeth. And there are certain words or, or S words, you need a teeth to say them. You know, but there are certain letters that you can say even without teeth. So when children are learning to speak without, you know, before they have teeth, you know, they'll say like Papa or Dada or Mama or Abba. You know, these are all words that you can say without teeth. So, so it's, it's, it's the, 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 the crying out of a little child. Now, now, little children, like I said, are notoriously confident in, if they're loved in their relationship with their parents and, and with their fathers. Um, just bring up that, that final um, slide with a, with a picture, please, uh, Tubes. Um, just imagine... Now, the, the, the other one, the one that you had on, on first. Just imagine a, a little child running to, to his father. Just imagine, you know, you're a father, you've been working all day, and you come home and you open the door, and the first thing that happens is you get attacked by this little man running to you and jumping into your arms and saying, Papa, and jumping and grabbing you around the neck, and not just the arms going around the neck, but the legs going around the body as well and just holding you. What does that do to your heart? How do you feel as a father towards that child? I mean, overwhelmed by love. But what Paul is saying is that is how God feels about us. How do you think God feels when you run to Him and say, Abba, Father, when you cry out to Him? What does that do to His heart? Right? So often we wonder, how does the father feel about me? The father feels about me like a little, a little child, run, uh, like, like a father would feel about a little child running to them and, and saying, Papa, and jumping into their arms. That's how God feels about you. Do you feel that love by the father? Because the reality is whether you feel it or not, you are that love by the father. And the Holy Spirit wants to help you experience that love. Think about it this way. Um, there's an old example that one of the Puritans um, gives, uh, you know, a few hundred years ago. And he says, imagine a, a father and, and, and son walking down the sidewalk, you know, hand in hand. And then all of a sudden, the father turning to the, to the son and picking him up in his arms and hugging him and kissing him all over his face and saying, I love you. And the, the boy being so overwhelmed by the love, he starts to cry and say, yes, Papa, I love you too. I love you too. While the father's hugging and kissing the son, and the son is enjoying that love, is the son more a son than he was when he was just walking beside the father? No. The status is the same. Still a son. But oh, the difference in experience. You see, the Holy Spirit wants us not only to be sons, because he does that. He makes us sons. It's by receiving the Spirit that we come to belong to Christ. But he wants us to experience our sonship. He wants us to feel how much God loves us. He wants us to feel the kisses of God raining down on our faces. The hugs of God holding us securely and safely. That's what the Holy Spirit, He wants to testify with our spirit that we are children of God. So much so that we cry out, Abba, Father. 
I mean, notice that, that Paul doesn't say, um, in, in verse 15, he doesn't say, you have received the spirit of adoption by whom you say, Abba, Father. He says, you receive the spirit of adoption by whom you cry, Abba, Father. Cry, when do you cry something? You say something when it's just like normal, neutral, but when you're emotional, when, 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 you, when, when there's intensity to what you're experiencing, then you cry out. Um, and, and I just sense this, this morning the Holy Spirit wants to come as the spirit of adoption and just drive out fear and, and give us an experience of the love that the Father has for us and of all the benefits that we have as adopted children of God. Yes, Lord God, we, we're sorry we so often doubt your love for us, Lord. Please forgive us, Lord. Thank you that you love us so much. Thank you that you've already proven, Lord, that you will do anything for us, Lord. No matter how great the cost. Thank you that you've already done. That you've already paid the greatest cost for us. And, and Lord, we just want to receive more of that love that you have for us, Father. Holy Spirit, please help us, Lord. Please help us to receive more and more of the Father's love. Lord, we don't just want to be loved as we are, as your children. We want to feel that love. Come and work in our hearts, Lord, and give our hearts the capacity to just experience your love over and over again. Lord, I pray for each one of us that as we go through the day, as we go through this week, Lord, and as we go through our lives, that we'll constantly just be overwhelmed by the Father's love for us. That we'll constantly be reminded that we are so much more loved than we can ever understand or deserve. And Lord, that we'll be so excited about experiencing that love that we won't be able to help but share it with others. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.